0: With two games to go in the regular season, and the situation that the Arizona Cardinals find themselves in, right here, right now, effective immediately, there's no room for any sort of fluff stuff on this edition of Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation. Note to self, no champagne problems with what to get the wife for Christmas, okay, I mean, of course, she loved the Bitcoin I got her. She loves Bitcoin. I, I might be sleeping in the guest room right now, but she'll come to realize that's a heck of an investment down the line at some point. Felipe, we don't, we don't. Doesn't matter if you've just discovered Tennessee whiskey and you're gonna give us best practices and how to drink said whiskey. Okay, no time for that, Darren. You know, okay. You want to talk about my dad? No, you've you've ghost- <laughs> You've closed down many a bar at the Combine That's in your true. prime. We know that um, you know you can draw up an out-of-bounds play with the best of them. We don't have time for any of that kind of stuff. The Cardinals find themselves in a situation right now that demands everyone's full attention. Does Gosh, it
1: not?
2: I, I think I see where you're going with the Paul, and for once I agree with you. That's
0: right. The urgency around here has to ramp up, starting with thyself.
1: Paul, you just mentioned Bitcoin. Does, do I get Bitcoin from working here ten plus years? I, I, <laughs> no. At at some point in my career, you no. know, the no. fact that you have Bitcoin. No, I'm maybe just your surprised. spouse
0: will get it for you when they run out of uh, Christmas ideas. Okay, down the line, it's something maybe you can I look forward enjoy, to in your forties. And
2: and of course, keeping his focus is, as much as possible. Absolutely, I did, I did enjoy the the tweet that I saw recently of a message board, like a message board from a uh, like a from a building they they have like an in-building message board and it was christmas morning and this guy said i will pay a premium for a christmas gift for a woman prefer jewelry or something some nice piece of clothing anywhere between 50 and 300 dollars." this is like 704 a.m christmas morning that is procrastination right. right there.
0: Okay, so, all right, so let's use that as the barometer, the benchmark. Is yes. the Cardinals' urgency and desperation <laughs> at this point above or
1: below that? Felipe? Um, Two games left in the season. They already clinched the playoff berth. But just from a performance <laughs> standpoint, yeah, I think the urgency is higher oh, in, I, I'm in this higher. regard. I'm, okay. I,
2: I don't know how far you can get higher than 7.04 Christmas morning and you didn't <laughs> buy your significant <laughs> other a gift. <laughs>
1: Wait, it, it, okay, it matters, are you waking up to next to your significant other? Because significant other can be a girlfriend, and I don't live with my girlfriend, so I could have gotten away with it. And the urgency wouldn't have been that high. See,
2: note to Felipe's girlfriend, you better check this stuff out wow. because he, he may be playing fast and loose with your Christmas uh, gifts.
1: I, I don't know either that or you're looking at
0: this as a short term investment yeah, instead exactly. of a long term. Speaking of Bitcoin, is it short term <laughs> or long term? What, what What is your investment horizon here in this relationship, Felipe? Yeah. I guess that's a we won't go there either. Yeah. As a, you're <laughs> gonna get me on, in trouble on a yeah. podcast, yeah. there's you enough, trouble. There's enough trouble to be had around here. Okay, Felipe doesn't need to put his toe in that water <laughs> around here look you could and i get it a lot of the red sea and i I dropped this with a couple of 20 somethings up on the second floor i said if i was to say that the red sea sounds a lot like nancy kerrigan did back in the day why why remember that whole that that whole scene and Felipe, do you know who
2: nancy kerrigan is just checking
0: tanya harding nancy kerrigan no. Well, Felipe, you know what? That's on you because there's a couple of twenty-somethings right above us on floor two who knew exactly what I was talking about. They're ca- That's called
1: cap. They're capping. They just want to be good with you. I guarantee you, Kevin does not know who that is. No, I don't
2: I, think he was. She, no, he was talking to no, Kevin. No, but that's
0: Kevin's okay. on the third floor. I'm talking the second floor. Okay. Um, so, I I I could
2: kind of see the uh, the parallel there. Right. Yeah.
0: It's like what all. Once upon a time, you had a team that was seven and zero, oh, then ten and two. Why are they all of a sudden in the number five spot right now looking at a road game? And I'll answer that question. It's not necessarily a rhetorical question. You guys realize what might be at work here is something we talked about, I believe, way back in September. That the Cardinals' lot in life this season has already been preordained to face their former head coach in the playoffs. So if you look at why they are number five in the standings right now, that's because Tampa Bay is number four, and this is the way it's going to work out. The football gods are going to put the Cardinals where they need to be to play a postseason game against B.A. and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tommy and all the above because we all saw this coming. It was coming down the tracks in September.
2: We we couldn't have worked that out for, like, the NFC championship game? I mean – it doesn't have to be the first round, does it?
0: Darren, if you want to text the football gods and wonder how they work their ways, you know that, that's for you to do. The rest of us, we just abide. <laughs> like the dude. The dude. We just abide around here, okay? <laughs> Who am I to say how the football gods operate, okay? <laughs> I, I'm just Paulie Pawn in, in the game of you, life over here. But
2: see, we don't know how that's going to turn out. The problem is there's still like – somebody said that there is – I think I saw a tweet that said there's currently, as we re- record this – 73 different potential first rounds or something like that or potential playoff matchups in the first round. Hashtag no math. So there's a lot that can still happen, and that would include a first round for the Cardinals. If they go on the road, they could still play. They could end up playing the Cowboys again. They could end up playing the Rams, which would be very
0: odd. Um, the Niners theoretically they could open with the Niners if they win the division. If they win the division. Yeah. Which is
2: which is also not out of the question yet. I mean it's I'm
0: sure about that. Baltimore's a train wreck right now. And who do also, and the Rams have in the Niners? They always yeah. struggle against the Niners. They, they,
2: the Rams go to the Ravens and then they go uh and then they go home against the 49ers. I think it's home. But if the Rams lose one, the Cardinals control their own destiny. Then they would have to just win their last two. And they're going to have a good idea of what's up because they move the Rams-Ravens game back to morning and the Cardinals play in the afternoon. So the Rams-Ravens game will be over by the time the Cardinals play the Cowboys.
1: Interesting. So it's, it's, okay. it's, going, to, it's going to be interesting right.
2: to see how it plays out. Um, I mean, one more Cardinals loss and this is over. Uh, well, I shouldn't say that. I guess if the if the Cardinals end up. I mean, if the Rams, if the Rams, lose, Rams out, lose, then, yeah, that's yeah, the true, Cardinals too. the Cardinals win one out See, of and that's the thing. is, like we're trying sure. to figure out where they're going to play, and there's there's so many different possibilities here.
1: I mean, just like in fantasy football, for those that play fantasy football, you need some luck. You know, the Rams are, yeah. you know, they need to drop one of those, but obviously luck is on their side. They play a Ravens team. Who knows if Lamar Jackson's a go? Obviously they're back up. I'm not sure if he's back from COVID protocols or not. Now the news of Jimmy G with the 49ers, now you're going to, the Rams are potentially going to face a, a rookie quarterback in Trey Lance, so luck isn't necessarily on our side. I, I mean, just thinking about what you said, Paul. At some point, we were the team was the Arizona Cardinals were ten and two. I mean, to me, that's when the sense of urgency urgency come, you know, elevates even more from the question that you pose. But even the Bucks, I think the Bucks have the Jets and another –
0: Carolina again, I believe. Yeah, I think that's right. So, I so think I they mean, played Carolina four times in the last five games, I believe, Tampa Bay.
2: That's all scheduling, baby. <sighs> so By just, the way,
0: what if Chris Strebler – What if mandatory Strebler engineered <laughs> a win for the Baltimore Ravens over the Rams? How beautiful would that be? <laughs> I doubt that. Second, Can I speak that into chance, existence? Second
2: chance in uh, in two years uh, <laughs> after what didn't happen in the finale last year.
0: But but Felipe, think about this, and you're right. Right, what didn't happen in week 17 a year wow. ago at L.A. Yeah, so that redemption el grande for Chris <laughs> Treveller if he goes against the Rams. Wolf and I were kicking this around. Ten and two was more impressive than seven and zero. But ten and two, I think, is where. The additional opponent came in on the Cardinals' schedule. There's 17-game season, but there's actually 18 opponents, okay, if you will. Complacency mm-hmm. has set in again. Did we not have this conversation? Ghost of Christmas passed a year ago. that And then we it was hashed out throughout the entire offseason. And slowly but surely, individual players confirmed it. It was D.J. Humphreys and Christian Kirk and Kyla Murray The biggest opponent was complacency once we got to six and three. And then Timber, they lost five of the last seven. So I think that's the other reason why A lot of the Red Sea is gripping right now because every team goes through these lulls. Kansas City went through it to begin the season at three and four. The Niners had their four-game losing streak, and then a week ago, they're, oh, you can't. Nobody wants to play the Niners in the playoffs, so really? Because look what they did on Thursday Night Football, and Jimmy G was terrible. The Rams lost their three in a row. Now they've won four in a row. The question is, is this just going to be a skid, a lull, a slump? and they're going to figure it out or is this going to be the end of the season and is this what the Cardinals will be remembered for throughout the off season is
2: it is it complacency is that is that what has happened here
0: that is the question and that, that that's my that's my best theory yeah based on last year based on you can and look You had a lack of energy and urgency, intensity in Detroit. I get it. There are two games this year where the Cardinals used sick days. They were sick of playing football against Carolina and at the Lions. Okay. But the complacency – when Cliff Kingsbury says to the media, and where was that comment where he said, you know what, we need to start treating every snap during practice like it's a game so when we get to the game it doesn't feel like everything is sped up. That was his Monday press conference yeah. and to me that was the one sentence in the entire press conference that was the biggest takeaway. And that denotes complacency to me.
2: I guess that's fair. I I, I don't obviously we don't get to watch practice, so we really can't tell. I will say that I think I think they were complacent against the Lions. I don't think they were complacent against the Colts. I just don't think they were good enough. I mean, they just aren't executing and, and I guess it's, we we may be saying potato potato here in terms of complacency versus not executing your offense. Maybe that is being complacent in practice. I I don't know, but I I just, when I look at this offense, it just looks completely discombobulated to the point where it's like, I, it's hard to imagine what they were doing early in the year and why it it can't translate at all. I mean, especially the passing game. I feel like the running game is okay, obviously. But when they throw the ball, it just seems like there's just no rhythm to it at all.
1: And it's just odd to me. Would you guys say that – because I know you said the the run game was okay. In my opinion, it seems like they kind of went away from the run game in the second half, and that's why the passing game didn't necessarily translate into the second half and the complacency – Set in, in my opinion, in the fourth quarter specifically because they went away from Chase Edmonds, and you made a comment of how 10 and two was more impressive than seven and zero, oh, and to me, 10 and two was more impressive because there is a trio of games there that they played without Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. Yep, and I feel like that's where the passing game is struggling because now Kyler Murray doesn't have his security blanket, but Kyler Murray hasn't necessarily necessarily played a game without DeAndre Hopkins. This season, besides the Lions, the did he he played in Chicago, right? DeAndre Hopkins yes. played in Chicago, and he didn't play against the the Lions, and then this past week against the Colts. Why can't in my head just take the game plan you had against the Niners, the Seahawks, and the in that trio of games when you didn't have DeAndre Hopkins, stick to the run game throughout a game, and maybe your passing game just comes naturally. I feel like that's been the biggest difference, especially in these past two weeks. They're not, the running game works in the first half, and I just don't feel like it stays consistent throughout the entire game. I, personally, that's what I saw was the biggest difference in Saturday's loss. Well, and you could
0: argue commitment to the run game. Look at the Colts. Uh, there were eight or nine, maybe even ten negative rushes by Jonathan Taylor, yeah. but they don't give up on Jonathan Taylor. Mm-hmm. They had four backup offensive linemen pretty quickly into that game after they lost their left tackle, Eric Fisher. So my contention with Wolf was, well, can you really run the ball when your interior O line is getting blown up? And that's what's been happening to the Cardinals in a number of these games, minus Rodney Hudson. With the Josh Jones, the right guard, we've talked about it ad nauseum here. I just don't think he's a guard. I know they want him to have positional flexibility. I don't see it. I think he's a tackle and a tackle only. And so, if you don't have the confidence in the quarterback and the play caller to have that run game, if the running back doesn't have confidence that you're going to hold up against the Aaron Donalds and Brenton Buckners of the world, and Brenton Buckner, the uh, Forrest Buckner, thank you, Paul, one of those buttoners. ninety-nine, just the ninety-nines. Just stick with the numbers, Calvisi. and you know. So then. I think that dictates, obviously, play calling. Can we win the matchup? Can we execute those runs? But if you're getting James Conner back and if, you know, they went into Chicago and they had no choice. They ran it 35 times. They threw it 15 times. But they also got a ridiculous touchdown catch on fourth and two from the 20 from DeAndre Hopkins. So it keeps circling back, Darren, to your point about DeAndre Hopkins. Can this offense exist as currently constructed – minus the only legitimate number one receiver on the roster can it really exist Uh, and function
2: i think that's a fair question right now And, and and you know just his presence made a difference yeah they they won some games they won a couple games without him earlier and obviously without kyler that was pretty amazing although i look back now and right now uh the Seahawks and the 49ers especially the fan bases are as they're looking back at missed opportunities this year they're all they're both looking at the Colt McCoy losses and saying what the hell happened to us in those games those games should have been victories um,
0: well Seattle fans need to look at the whole season probably. i mean you know i mean but, come on now
2: <laughs> but uh, but i i will say that yeah i mean I think missing Hopkins obviously impacts this past game. I do think it changes some things. I, I think you got to kind of look at it a little bit differently. I love the fact that Kyler took off on that 57-yard run, and I do feel like, okay, if you're comfortable, I, I think if you're not going to have DeAndre Hopkins, I think that part of the game might meet, need to be unveiled a little bit more often as a threat to scare some teams. Um you know, I was surprised they didn't look at A.J. Green a little bit more. I'm not saying he's DeAndre Hopkins, but I don't think he got targeted until his 33-yard pass late in the game. And then he got, I think, targeted one other time maybe. Uh, I'd have to look on that. But, it, it, it you know, and, and I think if Connor comes back, those are your best two off- – I think your best three offensive weapons, quite frankly, are going to be Chase Edmonds, James Connor, and Kyler Murray. So can you make something out of that? Does that go to your run game? Can you play off of that? You know, I, I just, I, I think there's a lot of stuff at play here. I mean, I feel like, I love Christian Kirk, but I feel like like the catch that he couldn't quite bring in early in the game and a couple plays in, in Detroit, those are plays he was making early in the season, and now he's not. Um, you know, it, it seems like it's all hitting at the same time where the things you were doing well, you're not doing well. Kyler's... I don't feel like Kyler's quite as accurate as he was uh, early in the season for whatever reason. I mean, it's just, it just feels very weird and off, and I, I don't know if you can just point to one or two things and say this is why. I, I don't I don't think so. You go back to the Chicago game and you talk about they ran all the time. Well, yeah, they did run all the time, but let's not get it twisted. Part of the reason they were able to run all the time was because they were up 14 nothing before you could blink because the defense got turnovers, which the defense hasn't gotten the last couple of games. It's that complimentary football, the term that I hate tremendously, but I have to give the give it up that it does mean something in the big picture. Where I I understand where the come. I hate it when people talk about it, but I understand where it's coming from. Why do you hate it so much? I it just it feels very simplistic,
1: like self-explanatory. Well, look,
2: if if you told me guys that my offense is going to run the ball at four and a half yards a clip. I'm not going to turn it over, and I'm going to get turnovers uh, and not give up big plays defensively, which is what this defense was doing up until, like, the last few weeks. Everybody's going to say, see, we're playing great complementary football. And I just am going to say, well, you're just playing the most basic football there is. I mean, if you tell me that I'm going to check those four boxes, run the ball pretty decently, don't turn it over, create turnovers, don't give up big plays, you're going to win 80% of your games. Mm -hmm. I mean, duh.
0: The no, thing is, is – I enjoy the rant. I really know, I just, I'm, let, what I'm I'm saying? letting it breathe right now. <laughs> but, like, taking the Chicago game as an example, yeah. it's obviously easier to run the ball when you have the lead. Yes. So it's a combination of the weather, wiping out half the laminated play sheet, as Cliff Kingsbury told us after the game, and then it's also the fact that you have the lead. Yeah, it's really easy to stick with the run. But when you also have four scoring drives that start inside the opponent's 30 yep. because you have four takeaways yep. – yeah, I mean, that is your, wait for it, complimentary football sinking up. Whereas against the Colts, for example, there was a big defensive stand and the Cardinals get the ball back for the offense and they go three and out instantly. There's your lack of complimentary yeah, football and agree. the defense is back on the field immediately and they're still semi-gassed and maybe a little frustrated that the offense couldn't mount a drive and do something with what we just struggled to give you and it sort of feeds off itself. But when I talk about complacency I'm also referring to things like penalties which to me is just a direct result of focus pre-snap penalties focus are you locked in are you dialed in smart football roughing the passer unnecessary penalties after the whistle or you know better as a veteran player those kind of costly mistakes that end up being so instrumental in losing a game along with the fact that you gave up a safety on a couple you know one of two poor snaps and then between two missed field goals and a missed extra point, there's nine points right there and you lost by six. So that's the sort of football that the Cardinals are not playing earlier. And so that's why I've replaced my no Lambo hashtag with no complacency. Okay? The no Lambo is now out the window, unfortunately for waiting the Arizona for no Cardinals. Caprendo. So it's now no complacency. Got it. I'm not going to get a tattoo or anything. Let's not cro- talk crazy. It's just going to be the hashtag live by at the moment.
1: Can we say can we say that Andy Lee proved his worth to this team this past weekend? Like uh, I, I know Did you guys see the replays by the way, were the laces in or were
0: the laces out? Was that a factor?
2: So the first kick the laces were directly at Prater. The second kick they were to the side, they weren't out. Okay. And Jay Feely, I didn't see this, but Jay Feely tweeted that Colt also kind of leaned the ball a little bit. Okay. Like he didn't hold it straight up. And it, the way it was leaning was the way the kick ended up going. And Feely basically was explaining in his tweet that that's, that's almost worse than the laces because if you lean the ball, you're almost inviting it to go in the direction that it's leaning. Now, I think the last kick, I mean, I think he just missed that. He just put it up against the upright. And, and you never know at that point if it's in his head. I don't know. There, there's so many things. I, I get back to what you were saying. Def, I mean, defensively, the Cardinals did what they needed to do. You get the defense gives up 20 points. This team should be winning games. Period. End of story. And that's what they did. They gave up 20 points. Yeah, they gave up 100 yards to uh, Taylor.
0: Jonathan Taylor did not beat the Arizona no, Cardinals. No, he did not. He didn't.
2: And they were going to make sure he didn't. Uh, you know, it was. It, it's a very simple thing as you break it down, and this is why this is why it's so hard is because. And this is why I understand, like, I understand the fans going Nancy Kerrigan, but I also understand the Cardinals, the, the the Cardinals, kind of being like, "Well, we're going to get there. We're not that far away." Because again, you have you just mentioned Andy Lee and the impact there, Felipe. Where you have him back, then probably all those kicks work, and then. You didn't turn the ball over, and again, crazy, insane stat. One punt for the Cardinals didn't turn the ball over, and yet you only scored 16 points. Now, they had a couple of failed fourth downs, which are essentially whatever. Hello. Um, but but you, you, you don't have Carson Wentz throwing the most unbelievable touchdown pass on third down uh, where he's going against his body and somehow throws a strike on a night that for most of the snaps right before that – he was throwing worm burners and air mailing stuff, and I didn't think he had that throw in him.
0: So yeah, but he was also smart enough to do things like on a key third down, he found his third string tight end Mo Alley Cox in space against Joe Walker, yes. who then turned it up the sideline for thirty plus yards. Now I
2: will say this: if you watch that play, and this is what has happened to the Cardinals a lot, Joe Walker got caught up in the wash, and that's the problem. They've sent out Cox came out late and then he waits for all the congestion there. So Joe Walker's already behind the eight ball because he's having to get around four bodies before he even gets into coverage. And that's, that's, yeah. where, the, that's where the pass rush has to get
0: there. Exactly. You know, the key word in your explanation there was wait. Mm-hmm. He had the ability to wait for these routes to develop yeah. and then go through his reads. And when you end up with two sacks, one is on a safety blitz by Buda Baker, then guess what? Uh, you're not getting enough pressure on a quarterback who had win- – and it's 6'5", 240, he has the ability to hang in the pocket. Yep. You know, there's a reason he was selected number two overall. He does have the measurables and he does have the skill set. And in this game in particular, well, guess what? He did exactly what Frank Reich said he was going to need to do at some point in the season where – Get COVID? <laughs> <he> said, <laughs> oh, sorry. <That's>, uh, <laughs> this is before the game, Darren. Before
2: the game. Before the game, Got Frank
0: Reich said, and he almost spoke it into existence when he said at some point Carson Wentz is going to have to be the star for this team. Carson Wentz is going to have to win a game. And, and honestly, if you were going to go ahead and give that offensive game ball to anyone, it would have been their quarterback. Probably.
1: Yeah. But I mean, what did he do – to impress you I mean is it just yeah I mean I honestly don't think he had this extraordinary game he didn't
2: have an extraordinary game but he had he he made mistake free football he made mistake free football and he threw that touchdown pass that won them the game which was a hell of a play here's the thing Felipe and this is a very to me this is a dangerous way to go in there you know I feel like the, the the vibe you're giving is like the Cardinals lost this game, the Colts didn't win it, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But eventually, especially when you're on a losing streak, and I've been through a lot of losses around this team over the years, a lot of wins, but a lot of losses. You know, eventually you can't keep saying, well, it's us. We We should have won that game and we lost it. I mean.
0: Well, look, there's winning football, which is what the Colts are playing. They came in number one in turnover ratio, plus 14. They came in with the second fewest penalties. And then there's what Kyler called, not me, what Kyler called after the game, quote, bad football. That's what the Cardinals yeah. and are I, sliding into and right now. And let me now. just
2: sneak this, and I, I know you're going to go, but I, just to make the point, if Kyler Murray had the game Carson Wentz had and they won and he did it with four of the – starting offensive lineman not playing, you'd be praising the hell out of Kyler Murray right now, right? I mean, I didn't necessarily praise
1: him against the Browns when he didn't have his coach or anything like that. I mean, it's just – Well,
2: but it's different between having your coach and having an offensive lineman, in my opinion, but that's, that's just me.
0: Once again, in moments like this, I prefer to look at the standings. I like to print them out. And I like to look like at the how NFC close West they standings. Are to your eyes. You
2: might need some glasses. <laughs>
0: and uh, <laughs> let Wolf handle the readers. The guy's in denial. I mean, come on, Wolf. Uh, you don't, if I have to explain the menu to you out at a restaurant one more time, so I like to look at the NFC West standings. I like to look at last place. So you know, because we're all truly blessed this holiday season to have the Seattle Seahawks in last place, are we not? So okay, if uh, uh, I, I am, don't.
2: I'm looking for holiday silver lining. I actually <laughs> okay. thought
1: of you, Paul, because once they uh, were eliminated from playoff contention you came to my mind. I remember how, how you were trashing the Seahawks. Yeah, I know how mad, how bad you disliked the, the sign holder over there at, at Lumen Field and whatnot, so uh, I'll admit I thought of you.
0: Well, that and the fact that their first-round pick belongs to the Jets, and it's currently number six <laughs> overall. Hashtag ouch. So here's the question for you guys. Is this 2021 Cardinals team tracking to be A, the 2020 Steelers, who started eleven and zero and flamed out? B. The two thousand eight Arizona Cardinals, who flamed out at the end and then made a run in the postseason. Or, as Wolf added when I posed this question, option C. The two thousand twenty Arizona Cardinals. Where is this season going?
2: Well, I can already tell you they're not the two thousand twenty Arizona Cardinals. I don't know what the how Wolf's talking about. They just clinched a playoff spot.
0: That is true. That is true. They, so did. they are in they, the playoffs. So they
2: can't be – they they would have to be the Steelers if they lose their first playoff game. They can't be the 2020 Cardinals because – the 2020 Cardinals didn't make the postseason. Period. End of story. Okay. And that's how I feel about it because I understand you don't want to back in, um, but I agree with a lot of the fans, which is the reason you're in the playoffs isn't because the Rams beat the Vikings. That's That happened to be – the the equation that finished it. But the reason you're in the playoffs is because you have ten wins. Cardinals only had eight last year. And I'm not saying I'm not gonna sit here and say if they lose these next two games and lose the playoffs that it was a great season because obviously because of the way it started you wouldn't term it that way. But you can't you can't sit here and say at this point they're not better than last year because of the improvement in the wins and the way they've they've made it into the playoffs. I mean for for all the struggles they've had of late, how many 10 win teams do we have in the nfl right now
0: okay mm. you can count it on one hand can't you still five yeah. i think it's or is it five in the nfc i think it's just five it's in the, the NFC. rams the cardinals tampa dallas
2: because i think the chiefs only have right. nine Packers. This point, right? the
0: chiefs still only have nine okay so there's
2: five teams out of 32 have right. 10 wins
0: and look for the i'm told that somebody on the air in this town said the cardinals do not deserve to make the playoffs yeah I mean, come on.
1: There's like a petition started and everything like that. It was I mean, really, really very, annoying. really. Yeah, no, don't deserve. Let's. let's I'm not okay. going to give it a lot of oxygen,
2: okay. but it wasn't a petition. It was a. It was a faux article of somebody pretending like there yeah. was a petition. Well, that that's there's the, a difference. Okay,
0: okay. that's that's faux IQ is what that is. I mean, I agree I mean, with that. You know, if. if So you win your first seven versus maybe, like, losing your last seven. Either way, you get to a certain win total. If you want to look at teams that don't deserve to be in the postseason, look at – there's, like, 10 sub-500 teams right now who are still eligible and within a game of the postseason. It's that seventh and final playoff spot, if you want to argue a team isn't – worthy of the postseason, it would be whatever team fills that slot and checks that box at the bottom of the playoff season. If
2: we're going to sit here and say a team deserves to be – I mean, what does that mean? Like, so now you have to win X number of games and be playing really well at the end of the season? That makes no sense to me. And, again, the 2008 Cardinals showed that, you know, that's a a lame way to look at it because things change. The 2010 Seahawks won a freaking playoff game. When they were 7-9. and nine. Now, do I think a sub-500 team should get in the playoffs? I don't. But that's neither here nor there. They won a playoff game.
0: By the way, the team in between 2008 and 2010 that won the Super Bowl, the 2009 Saints, this comes straight from Craig Grigeloo, yep. the big brain on Craig Grigeloo. <laughs> the Saints lost their last three games that year and went on to win the Super Bowl. Yep. So it's not absolute that you have to be playing good football quote-unquote to make a good run in the postseason how does it happen with frequency absolutely not it would be the exception to the rule right but it shouldn't disqualify you from people thinking you are worthy of the postseason come
2: on that's so hot take it's it's so Was
0: it Skip Bayless who said that?
1: T-A-E-K, was T-A-E-K, yeah. Yeah. We I've should have mentioned it. Skip on, on yeah, this podcast. Yeah. Can it be a combination of both teams though? Two thousand and eight uh Cardinals and then last year's Steelers or was it last year Steelers? Yeah, they were eleven or I mean yep. I mean you're going into these last two games, you po- you're gonna go into the postseason, you're gonna get Rodney Hudson back, you're gonna get James Conner back. Uh, Andy Lee, of course, the MVP of this Arizona Cardinals team, in my opinion. So at the end of the day, you're still getting veterans. Wait, wait, wait,
2: wait, wait! Did you just say Andy Lee was the MVP of the team? <laughs> yeah,
1: I just wanted to sneak that in yeah, there after uh, Saturday's yeah. performance. Of obviously, hot take. that's that's a hot take, Darren. Can I have my <laughs> own version of a hot take? Andy Do I have a Lee's choice? the team. No, I'm just kidding. But they're gonna get this these veteran leadership uh, back. And if there's something that this locker room keeps talking about, it's always hey the the veterans of this team have to get this team uh right didn't chase edmonds literally mentioned that in his post-game pressure that he, they have to depend on their veterans to truly get this team back on track and i mentioned the guys are going to get back let's say you win a playoff game now you could potentially get deandre hopkins back at some point in the postseason so there's silver linings to everything and in my opinion Rodney Hudson was needed, especially in that offensive line. We mentioned five pre-snap penalties. There's a, a crucial fourth and one. you guys remember that fourth and one uh, that the Cardinals had? That, yeah, we I, were there. I, I believe Josh Josh Jones uh got the yes. false start and it turned into a fourth and six. They pass it out to Zach Gertz, if That's I'm not mistaken. Correct. So, you know, these little mistakes, especially when it comes to the offensive line, kind of showing their youth, you know, in a way, so – Getting these, these veterans back is going to be much needed. So Kelvin Beachum
0: recently on the Big Red Rage, and we mentioned the, how DeAndre Hopkins was out, Rodney Hudson was out, and he almost stopped us mid-sentence. And he said, that's my guy. That's the guy that we could really use back. And it was interesting now, you could see his viewpoint because he's an offensive lineman, but he called Rodney Hudson the anchor and the alpha. And, okay, as much a security blanket as Rodney Hudson is, uh, does it even go further than that? Because if you're looking at, okay, what's wrong with Kyler? We're talking about a guy who led the NFL for much of this season in completion percentage and passer rating and yards per attempt. None of that has been there recently. But you can correlate it to the absence of his center. And to me, it makes a lot of sense. I've never played NFL quarterback, this just in. But if I'm in the gunner, I'm under center, and I am worried, terrified, that 99s of the world are coming through the A-gap with impunity, and I have no real confidence that my guys are going to get those guys stopped, then yeah, that might make me a little unsettled as well. And it might throw off my accuracy a little bit. It might prevent me from seeing the field, as everyone likes to say, which I always believe. I'm not exactly sure what that means other than I guess it's code for are you sitting there and going through your reads and progressions and going with where your reads take you to the guy who's open? Because remember those games, like in Chicago, he threw it 15 times. He had 11 completions to eight different receivers. You're just not seeing that brand of ball from your quarterback. And when you look at the other two Pro Bowl quarterbacks in the NFC, what do they do best? When, when the times are tough and their rosters are depleted, they find a way. Do they not? Aaron Rodgers came into State Farm Stadium minus his top three receivers, and he engineered a win. Tom Brady coming off a heinous loss against the Saints, 9 nothing. He figured it out without Mike Evans, without Chris Godwin. He's throwing touchdown passes to the second-string tight end, and they got some 55-yard touchdown run from a fourth-string running back. That to me is what's not happening to the Cardinals or for the Cardinals as they go through this tough stretch, which every team has gone through. When you're missing, yeah. look at what the Colts are missing in that game. When they found out on game day they're missing arguably the defensive player of the year and Darius Leonard and their catalyst on defense, and they still figured it out.
2: I, I I agree, and and I and I do think there's there is some of that. There is like okay. You know, we, we talk about the adversity, but the thing was, was up until this streak, Kyler didn't figure out any of the adversity, right? Because he got hurt in the Packers' loss, so he didn't play the next game, and he didn't play in the Panthers' game, and he didn't play in the game after that. So the first loss that Kyler Murray had to deal with was the Rams' loss, and we followed it up with two more losses, Yep. So I think it's a I think it's yeah. a fair question of of kind of where Kyler's head is right now.
0: Now, are we examining his body language? No, I I don't, uh, I, don't I don't put I'm much if big fan of any merit into that. I I just don't. But um, you know, it's just there's obviously a different confidence level. You're talking about a team that on the road you could hear them chanting undefeated from the locker room. <laughs> So you know, after the Colts win, with all these backups, after the game, you see the quote from T.Y. Hilton, we've got a ton of ways to beat you. You just pick the way you want to get beat. That's T.Y. Hilton. That's the kind of confidence the Cardinals had earlier in the year.
2: You mean like when J.J. Watt was
0: on the sidelines saying we're just getting better? Yep, thank you. So uh, I'm curious to see what the Cardinals look like with Rodney Hudson back, especially against a Cowboys defense. <laughs> I mean, if you want a team MVP – I don't know if it's Dan Quinn, but to think of how historically bad that Cowboys defense was a year ago and what they're doing right now at all three levels of that Cowboys defense, it is night and day, is it not?
1: But, I mean, who have they played? that That's my thing. As I was just looking at the schedule, and I believe their last quality win, in my opinion, came in week either six or nine against the Patriots. Other than that, I mean, they played the Washington football team they played oh, I'm trying to remember.
0: Obviously the division games they're 9 and 1 against the NFC. But obviously they're in the weakest division in the NFC. So, you know, in terms of out of division or out of conference opponents and big wins, I haven't looked at the full scope of the season, but Dak Prescott was playing some very mediocre football until they put a 50 burger on Washington in this last game.
1: But, but does that mean anything to you?
0: He, he got well in a hurry. So is that a one-game sample against a really poor, struggling, dysfunctional team that's fighting itself on the sideline and feels, <laughs> feels the need to bring their own benches to Dallas when the roof is closed and it's climate-controlled? And obviously they're distracted by a bunch of minutia and stuff that has nothing to do with football as a billionaire squabble in the owner's offices of those two franchises. Uh, so I don't know how much you can read into that Cowboys win other than there's a lot of talent on that field on both sides of the ball for the Cowboys.
2: Well, I mean, Rodney Hudson or no Rodney Hudson, I think you ha- it has to give you pause going up against the way the offensive line has played of late for the Cardinals. And it's not like they've been terrible, but, you know, they've given up pressure. And if mm. Kyler is indeed uncomfortable right now back there, now, again, that's where things – I mean – the Cowboys are going to want, in my opinion, they're going to want to play some man-to-man. They've got uh, – is it Diggs back there? Trayvon Diggs with Diggs, 11, 11 interceptions.
0: Picks. That's more than a dozen teams in the NFL, I by would the way. I think they're
2: going to want to play some, some man-to-man. you got to be careful about some stuff. But that's where Kyler becomes such a threat if he can run a little bit. You know, last year the Cardinals whomped on the Cowboys, and their defense is much better, and their offense is definitely much better. Um, but Kyler – kyler had a couple big plays but he didn't have a great game um again they got turnovers yep and and they played from the lead and and i hearken back again to what Zach Ertz said after lions game which was this defense is built to play with a lead and again that's what they didn't do against the colts for the most part and when they did and they finally got the lead at 13 to 12 they got to stop yeah it was just the problem was again the Cardinals go three and out, and then the Colts go down and get a field goal, and then it's it's all slugging uh, slugfest. So, you know, I I just when it comes to the Cowboys, I think this is going to be an incredibly interesting game. I think Kyler gets hyped for games in Dallas. He plays well in Dallas. Um, I think it gives him some confidence, just period, doing it. But I also know that this is a much better Cowboys team than the one he
0: saw last year. There are two throws I remember from that Monday night jack stomping of the Cowboys last year, 38-10. to 10. One was the fingertip grab by Christian Kirk, the yep. 80-yarder, yep. where he threw his hands out at the very last moment. And, yep. and that really was the difference to hear him explain it yep. because it was a fingertip grab. The other one was when he incomprehensibly airmailed Larry Fitzgerald in the back of the end zone. Yep. He missed him by like a good 10 feet. I have – I that's still – is probably the most perplexing throw I've seen Kyler in his three years in the NFL. Like, what just happened? Yeah,
2: I, I think Fitz was thinking the same thing at the time. <laughs> yes, he was. I, I, I will say that when you think back, and again, uh, the, the last one of these didn't really mean, actually the last two of these didn't mean a whole lot, but the final score was 38-10. to 10, But they got three touchdowns. They got an 80-yarder to Kirk. They got the, uh, well, it wasn't a touchdown, but a super long catch and run to DeAndre Hopkins late in the game because Hopp. Wasn't getting the ball. I think he was a little frustrated himself. He got the ball. And then there was a long run by a touchdown run by Kenyon Drake at the very end when the game That's was right. essentially over. Yep. So, again, I think defensively they played really well last year. I think offensively they were okay. I mean, obviously you don't take away the big plays, but it's not like they were a machine last year. In that game, it just looks like it on the stat page and on the scoreboard. But if you actually watch the game play out, it wasn't quite like that. Going back to the the miss to Fitz, there was, there was just this little not quite there. And it looked like sometimes that Kyler did get a little too hype for the situation, you know, like, oh my God, I'm back in Dallas. Let's make all these big
0: plays. Speaking of back in Dallas, I have a trivia question for Felipe. Are you ready? I'm going to lose, but. Who's I... Tanya Harding? No, that was. Name that. the member of the Arizona Cardinals roster who is in the Texas High School Football Hall of Fame. Think about the quarterback room, okay? Texas High School Football Legends. All right now. Plural. Cole Which McCoy, member right? is in the Texas High School Football Hall of Fame? Is it Colt? It is not. Is it is Kelvin Beacham? It is not. Not right. Beachum. Kyler too soon. He's Cliff not in.
1: Kingsbury. Cliff wow.
0: Kingsbury is in the Texas High School Football Hall there. of Fame. So I gave you a little
1: switcheroo for you I guys see over what there. You, did there. So, you guys, you, th- you guys think at this point in the season though, they really believe in that, like returning a Dallas hype. You, you think Kyler Murray is oh yeah. buying into that? Oh, da- yeah. Kyler Murray? Yeah. Oh hell yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Really? Like fact, at this point in the season, they're, yes. they're playing not their greatest footballer. Let, let me repeat, Felipe. Yes. <laughs> I, I honestly just don't believe it. I mean, there's too much on the line right now for him to be focused on. Okay, I'm going back to Dallas. I haven't lost at Cowboys Stadium in my career. Like, I don't know. I don't. At least for me, it wouldn't. If I was the franchise quarterback of this, I've never played quarterback like Paul. You know, well, this Felipe. Fli- what you know,
0: <laughs> Fli- You know, like let's okay. When you get the big network job and you're working in New York or L.A., okay, and you're and you're hosting the Super Bowl broadcast, and then all of a sudden the Super Bowl that year happens to be in Phoenix, and you come back home and you're doing the broadcast from Phoenix. There's not an, an extra layer there for you, huh? There's not a little mm. bit extra, a little something there for you when you're back in your hometown.
1: See that's that's a very that's a good hypothetical. Like I want that to manifest, but <laughs> at, at the same, at he's the same soaking time, that in right yeah, now. I'm, I'm yeah. soaking in. Yeah. I don't know, man. If there was again playing and broadcasting, obviously two different beasts, right? I don't know. I just th- I just think his mind is especially after hearing him in in that post game uh, press conference. He was vividly frustrated. If you guys remember, against the Rams, he came in and I believe Darren asked him. Like he he doesn't seem too. You know, frustrated or whatnot, and he was confident. He was like, "Yeah, we're still uh, was it, were they ten and three at that point?" He wasn't uh, too worried, upset or worried and whatnot. Then against Detroit, you saw him a little bit more frustrated and again. But then again, against the Colts, he came in and he was, you know, he's honest. It was it was bad football. So in my head, he's thinking about just going out there and turning the ship around. In, in my opinion,
0: well. Remember, he's unbeaten in the building, right? Forty-three and zero in high school overall, and between high school and college I think it's seven and, and, 0 now. and NFL, he's I seven and zero. Either seven so, yeah. and zero, eight zero. So, like I mean, look, if one of the problems of this team has been guys have been pressing. And whether that's true or not, that's we've heard a number of Cardinals players and coaches say that, yeah, maybe guys are trying to do too much and they're pressing in the absence of other players and now a three-game losing streak and a four-game losing streak at home. We get it. Now 0-5 over the last two years trying to clinch. So there's plenty of narratives out there that might lead guys to press. Okay. But if you're looking for two guys to keep your eye on in Dallas who want to perform well, it's got to be your play caller, head coach, and the quarterback. Come on now. Right. So we'll see if that's a bigger part of the solution or maybe a bigger part of the problem. If indeed pressing has been an issue, I'm just throwing that out there just in case. Um, Now, as for the Cowboys and how they come out in this one, they just clinched the division. They're 11 and four. Yes, they're still playing for home field, but the Packers seem to be rolling towards that inevitability. So, I mean, are you talking about a Cowboys team that might have a letdown game of sorts? at home and they've played some inconsistent football Uh, this year
2: i that's a good question it's funny if the cardinals were playing at a really high level it wouldn't be there but now
0: does the things (laughs)
2: change a little bit i mean it's
0: sort of like your 2008 right what bill davis he said one of the reasons we did well in the postseason was because teams were looking at our regular season film of the last four or five games these guys stink (laughs) Mm -hmm. so if the cowboys are looking at recent cardinals game film they're like oh yeah we don't even need to practice this week Right. Whatever
2: it would take for the Cardinals to get a win, you know, I don't really care at this point. You know.
0: All right. So, do we need to pose the question about COVID or not? What's going on? I mean, the NFL has already set record numbers of positive cases. Well, as as
2: we've been podcasting, Paul, it came across that Bruce Arians tested positive for COVID. Are you serious? This weekend? Yeah. Oh
0: boy. Okay. All right. Uh, well, the they'd, already, be they'd already
2: been getting hit. They already lost uh, Kevin Garver, our good friend Kevin Garver, the receiver's oh, coach. Wow. He had already tested positive. Okay. And then I want to say there was a receiver that got it too. Mike I mean, Evans? W- w- oh, that's right. Community. Mike Evans tested positive. So, again, the reason the reason I think we talk about COVID is, is because we always have to talk about COVID because you never know what could happen. As we do this right now, Marcus Golden's on the list as well as Andy Lee and Sean Harlow, the backup guard. And you don't know how things can change. Now, this is all going back and forth. CDC says this week that now they're saying if you're asymptomatic and vaccinated, I believe it's vaccinated, definitely asymptomatic, you only really need to quarantine for five days and then wear a mask for five days rather than be out for 10 days. And now the leagues, including the NFL, are starting to look at that and say, okay, maybe we do that. But the key here is, Asymptomatic, 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 and how hard hard these teams go by that, and And whether
0: honest the players are, honest
2: they are, and you know what's asymptomatic. I mean, if you've got just a mild cough, I mean, to me, asymptomatic is you can't even tell somebody's sick. But my, you know, but who knows if somebody just has this little mild cough? Do you and you're like, I feel fine, and I just have this little cough. Are they going to look at that as asymptomatic? But Let's say this happens then maybe something changes maybe you know you know maybe Marcus Golden who tested on a Monday can be back from a Sunday if they change to this 5 day thing and you know don't you know you know Carson Wentz unvaccinated test positive does that change something for somebody who's unvaccinated now just a lot of things wow. when we talk about covid and how it impacts stuff because the bottom line is guys this is going to be around for at least another couple months in terms of omicron and and how how uh, contagious it is and no matter what the rules end up being there's a very very good chance that one or many playoff games are going to be impacted by somebody testing positive when you you, say when you 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 say impacted you mean like
1: being moved or key players or Uh, it could be anything right all of them see that's that's the
2: playoffs is uh, you know it's one thing to move well, a regular season game. It's another thing to want to start moving playoff games around. Because you, you can make a team, and you have made a team, play on short weeks. The Rams, hell, the Rams just played twice in five days with no practice and won in both. So that's kind of a pain in the ass. But, but, I mean, are you going to want a playoff team to have to play twice in five days? I mean, there may not be a well, choice, but that's that's definitely not what you or, want. Or,
0: or or that playoff team has 20-plus guys in the COVID list. What if that playoff team looks like the Saints of Monday Night mm-hmm. Football? Where, I mean, I f- not only do they have their third string, maybe fourth string quarterback, fourth string, yeah. four string and Ian Book. Yeah. But then he's playing behind four stringers on the offensive line. That yep. kid had no chance, and half those offensive linemen had no place in the NFL on Monday Night Football. Yeah, and that's, that that was bad for the game.
2: And that's what and I'm saying. And the shield, so, it just was. So what do you do though? Like you can't, you cannot move the Super Bowl. That's locked in, locked in. Now when we had uh, 2001. They had the two weeks between the NFC Championship, AFC Championship games, and the Super Bowl. You were able to push back, so there was just a week. And back in the day, there was only just a week between the championship games and the Super Bowl, so that wasn't that huge of a deal. But we're so used to two weeks now. You you have that little bit of play right. time, but if it can't be more than that, you you can't you can't you're not you're gonna have one opportunity to maybe mess with some stuff. One week. That's it.
0: All right, well, you know, we're probably – And on that note – Yeah, I mean, you know, I, it's a good thing. On that note, uh, also based on the time, you know, I was going to offer you guys some free value-added advice on what your New Year's resolution should be the way I see it as to what you guys should focus on in 2022. But I'll spare you. I'll spare you guys. Well, we're trying to stay focused. <laughs> I
1: thought you were going to ask me my New Year's resolution for the Cardinals.
0: Oh, let's go. I got one. All right, everybody's going to throw one out. Felipe brought it up, so he's going to start. Here we go.
1: That. James Conner comes back healthy and stays healthy the last weeks of the season and heading into the into the postseason. Just given uh, uh, on how Chase Edmonds performed on Saturday, got that offense into really good, you know, second and sixes and third and twos and fourth and one situations that, I mean, you start to think, what if they had James Conner in certain situations? Do you do direct snaps to Chase Edmonds on specific downs? Not, I'm assuming, no, you can just hand it off to James Conner. You're not necessarily worried about uh, none of that. So James Conner, Rodney Hudson coming back, those are two important pieces to that, to that offense, and they're key for Kyler Murray to perform to the level that we're used to seeing in the first eight weeks of the season. That's All right.
0: mine. All right, well, considering the Cardinals' next game is in 2022, yeah. it can be near-term, it can be long-term, a resolution for the Arizona Cardinals in the new year, Darren Urban.
2: I'm going to say absolutely take every precaution you have to stay safe and not get COVID and not have COVID rip up this roster like it's ripped up about a third of the league already and continues to do.
0: Yeah. I'm going to get a little more specific and maybe a little more personal. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you're talking about the offensive line, usually it's, you know, maybe lose a few LBs in the new year, maybe the most popular resolution. And, you know, everyone get your mind right for the new year resolutionists who are going to be in the gym in January and February. Get ready for that (laughs) whole influx Uh, of the newcomers. Okay. But I'm going to go with something else. You know what the O-line needs to shed? false starts okay because right now they have 24 of them this year and the only team that has more false starts all year is the detroit lions with 25 so you're threatening to lead the league in false starts so you know what that's got a stinking change that's my new year's resolution for the cardinals in 2022
2: it was hard to believe they had as many false starts as they did in at a, in a home game
1: 11. I mean, it's a season one, high, right? Once again.
2: Well, the penalties, I just said false.
1: Standard. Oh, once Fox again,
0: moves. we've gone from no Lambeau to no complacency. And I think that's evidence thereof. In fact, it's a good thing that, uh, you know, Paulie Pencilneck isn't the head coach because I might have started the week just for the sake of cutting a guy. I would have cut a guy. I, w- I would have, you know, I, I would have started the week by saying, you know what, guess what, guys? There's something worse than losing games, and it's losing your job whether it's on the depth chart or whether it's on the team, whether it's pack up your locker and get out, here's a box, pack it up. Honestly, I think I would not be opposed to that sort of kick in the rear sort of urgency right now if it came in the form of the really one true and tried and bona fide way of motivating any pro athlete in any pro sport, and that is job security. I wouldn't have been opposed to that to start this year, and I probably shouldn't have saved that for the very end of Cardinals Underground brought to you by Pacific Office Automation.